0: isn't it? I hope you're enjoying it here. And um, John's right, there was a a whiteboard in my office a few months ago, uh, full of things that uh, needed to happen to uh, make the move possible. And uh, many of you have been involved in that. So thank you so much for for serving. Thank you for taking on different responsibilities. Many of you have stepped up to the mark and started new teams and got involved in making it happen. And uh, there are still things we're tweaking And we're still thinking, actually, we could do that differently or we might try something else here. Uh, But we're just learning that as we go. Uh, But thank you for joining us on the journey. And it is a journey, isn't it? We're not by any means where we want to be yet, but we feel God is with us. And uh, we're making some progress now on this great adventure that God has called us to. Just one... Uh, thing to mention on the student lunch—that's also a newcomers' lunch. So if you're new to Jubilee, maybe you're visiting us for the first time or the second time, or have just been, uh, you know, new with us in the last few weeks—you are very welcome to come for lunch as well. There is plenty of food. They are excellent cooks. I can certainly vouch for that. Uh, and so, if you go to the welcome area at the end of the meeting, that's just outside the doors there, or if you see Julia or Mike, uh, then they'll give you some directions, tell you where they live and uh, how you can get there and uh, we'd love to have you around for lunch. So I encourage you, please do take uh, take them up on that. It'll be well worth it. It'll be a a good time. Over these few weeks, uh, next few weeks uh, or so, I want to spend a little bit of time looking at uh, different parts of our vision and values And uh, just to uh, for those of you who have been with us a while to remind us uh, what we're going for, what God has spoken to us about. And for those of of you who are new to Jubilee, I'm hoping that these few weeks will serve you and uh, give you an idea of what we're about as a local church, some of the things that God has said to us, some of the things that are important to us and that we're going for as we're seeking to build the church. And uh, that's what I want to do this morning. And we're going to look at a, uh, a couple of things together. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, you don't have to, to turn to it. In verse 22, Paul says this, he says, And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. And he's talking there to the church in Ephesus. So you then are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Now, I don't know if any of you are builders. Are any of you builders? Any of you built your own home or anything like that? And you know, I love watching those sort of programs on television. Maybe you've seen them where uh, you get people who have never built anything other than a Lego model when they were seven. to so, Say, yeah, I'm going to build my own home. And they, they start on this sort of great adventure of, of building their own home. Well, there are different ways to build, aren't there? And you, know, you, you might say, uh, you want to build with brick. And uh, you're going to build a brick home. Uh, You might say, actually, we want to build with wood. We watched a program, didn't we, not so long ago when this couple built this uh, amazing wooden uh, home. You might say, actually, the easiest way to do it is prefab. I'm going to get it off the, you know, order it off the internet, as it were, and it'll come in parts and we'll assemble it together and there's my prefab home. And uh, that's one way of doing it. If you're in some parts of the world, you might build with mud perhaps not this country, but there'll be other countries where that'll be a perfectly normal uh, way of building. So different ways of doing it. and as well as different ways of building your home, there are different ways of building the church. And uh, different churches have got a different emphasis and different ways of building. And uh, when you're on a building site, it's important to know what you're building, so what's the end goal, It's important to know what materials are you using, how you're doing it. Uh, Are you going for the prefab model or are you going to get some bricks and mortar? It's just important to know these sort of things, to be able to see the plans, to know what you want to be building together. And so I'm hoping that these few weeks will help us in this building process so that actually all of us will be caught up in what God is doing in us and with us that we might be on this great mission and adventure together. It might seem obvious, but I shall say it anyway, that we're committed to building church uh, as we find instructions in this book here. We're looking to build church according to the Bible. One of the phrases we've used sometimes is living out New Testament Christianity in the 21st century. Living out New Testament Christianity in the 21st century. And whilst in many ways the New Testament is not prescriptive in the way that you do certain things there's no sort of how to there's no there's no sort of passage you can pull out where it says if you're building a church this is what you do this is your 20 things or whatever it is there's there's no sort of pull out manual like that but there are lots of instructions given by different people to different local churches and much of the New Testament are letters and letters written to local churches and written very often to correct different things, but to give instruction on how to build. So we can take a lot of those things and find them very helpful in the way that we're looking at building Jubilee Church. So a few things that we've said that are important to us, and maybe if you've had a look at the the Welcome brochure, you will have seen this. You maybe have seen it on our website, heard us talk about it. Things like loving God, loving one another. Loving those who don't know Jesus yet. Serving the city. Reaching nations. These are the sort of things that are important to us and are are a good summary of what we're about, really. If you've been with us any length of time, you you'll have noticed a slight change in that list. We've added in serving the city. Some of you are just about to say, hang on, that didn't used to be there, weren't you? You were just about to say that. And uh, that's true. We've added that in because we felt that we want to be making a difference in this city. And to put that right right in our value statement, serving the city, we feel is important to us. we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks' time. But this morning I want to talk about loving God and loving one another. And uh, I'll be examining, if you like, some some of our culture, picking apart our DNA, if you like, and talking about what's important to us and these things. And in the moments that we've got together to, to look at that, that's where we're heading. So why don't we pray, and then we'll... Jump right on in and see what God has for us. Okay, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord, for the provision uh, of this place to meet in, and we thank you for your presence with us. And we pray now, Lord, as we look at these things together, that you would speak to us. I pray, Lord, whether we've heard this before or whether it's we're hearing it for the first time, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, come and be our teacher. Come and apply the Word of God to our lives, both individually and together, for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so those of you who have been around Jubilee a little while, what passage of Scripture would I be likely to go to to talk about this? Is it in Acts? Acts It's not actually Acts 2, John. I'm afraid you're wrong. It's actually Luke chapter 10. So if you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 10, please. And It was a trick question, and I I don't really apologise for that, because often we would look at Acts 2, and we may well do yet this morning, but there are a couple of verses in Luke chapter 10 that I just want to look at real quick. Verse 25, Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your minds. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. And I guess that verse there could sum up this morning's message in terms of loving God and loving one another. Loving God and loving one another. So loving God, first of all. What is, uh, what's this verse here? We've read it is uh, This guy replies to Jesus, quoting from the, the Old Testament, saying, "Well, it's, it's loving the Lord your God with all your hearts and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your minds. Loving God. Well, loving God, what does it mean? Well, firstly, loving God means worshipping Him. Loving God means worshipping Him. Not worshipping anything else, but having God right up there, right at the very top of your, your list. Him being number one, the number one position in your life. It's God that you're worshipping, Him that you're honouring. So loving God means worshipping Him. So I want to ask you, are you doing that? Is that a clear priority in your life? I don't just mean on a Sunday morning here, but in your life, during the week, are you loving God? You see, it's what we're called to do, isn't it? To enjoy God and glorify him forever, as sometimes it's put. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Enjoying God. Would you say that you enjoy God? I think it's a great question. Do you enjoy God? If I was to ask you, uh, those of you who are are married, do you enjoy God? Your husband or wife, do you enjoy being with them? Do you enjoy that relationship? Do you enjoy that marriage? I would hope that your answer would be yes. Or if it isn't yes, that you're working things out so that it will be a yes. That would be normal, wouldn't it? You wouldn't think that's an unusual question. That would be a good question to ask. You yeah, know The same question I think we can ask of our relationship with God. Do you enjoy God? Do you enjoy time with him? Do you enjoy that relationship with him? Would you describe your relationship with him like that? Or is it a struggle? Do you feel that you're going through emotions because you're a Christian and you, you really know that you, you should worship God and you, and you know that really sh- you should be reading your Bible and, 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 and you guess, well, you probably should be praying and you're sort of doing it because you know it's the right thing to do and you know that everyone says that it's a good idea and you know that you know, people like me keep on about it and you think, oh, I'd better do it because I suppose it's the right thing. That's not what Jesus would want it to be like for us. He would say, are are you enjoying God? That's how he wants it to be for us. Enjoying a relationship with him. You'd expect to enjoy your relationship with a best friend, wouldn't you? You'd expect to enjoy your relationship with your husband or wife. Friends, I think we should expect to enjoy our relationship with God as well. Yes, honouring him for who he is, putting him in that rightful place. Yes, he is God and we are not. But he does want us to enjoy that relationship with him. Do you love God or are you loving God? Do you love God? Or are you loving God? Now, even, the, even the wording is different, isn't it? It's describing it is, is different. I, I once heard uh, uh, somebody talk about, uh, I, think, I think he was talking about marriage things. And he, he was talking about the relationship with your, your husband or, or wife. And he was talking about the difference between just saying that he loves his wife and saying that he is in love with his wife. And he's talking about how that's different because you can sort of, you know, sign off on, well, yes, obviously I love my wife because that's what he agreed to do when he got married. Well, the difference actively right here now is he loving his wife. And he was talking about this and it was quite a provoking uh, preach. And I I think the same would be true for our relationship with God. Do you say, well, yeah, of course I love God because I'm a Christian. Obviously I do. Or are you loving him? Are you in love with him? Are you following him? Is, are you worshipping him? Is he number one right now? I wonder how you would answer the question. There is a difference. It's easy to say, yeah, of course I love God. But the question for us is, are we actually doing it right now? Do you make time to love God, to be with him, even in difficult circumstances? When things get tricky for us, it's very easy for worship to take a back seat, isn't it? It's very, maybe it's just me, okay? Maybe this is just me, or maybe this is you too. Things get tricky, things are difficult, so what do you do? You sort of try harder. The pressure comes on, and you think, oh, I've got to work harder. I'll try and work it out. And something isn't working out uh, in life, or there's a particular problem you're trying to resolve, and you think, okay, I just need to give myself to it, and put some more energy in, some more time, and some more effort, and try and make it happen. Well, those things aren't bad, necessarily. But remember the word that we had during worship about praise preceding victory? Even in trying, difficult situations, I think we had a song during our worship time as well. Even when things are difficult, he's giving God that worship, even in those circumstances, isn't it? Sometimes we describe it, the Bible describes it as offering God a sacrifice of praise. Because it's difficult, but even in those circumstances, and it puts God in the right place, and it's good for our soul as well. Actually, I love the story of Jehoshaphat in uh, in two Chronicles twenty, and Jehoshaphat sends out his army uh, to defeat the uh, the enemy. And we're told that after you know, consulting people and putting plans together, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. So he put the worship leaders right up front. So the worship of God was right at the front. Now, so if you're cynical, you might say, well, maybe they weren't very good and they were going to get killed off first and get some good singers. I don't know, but I don't think that's the case. Actually, I think the case is, Right at the head of the army, right at the very front, there was worship of God. Where it was most difficult, where it was most dangerous, where it was tricky, where the pressure was on, where the enemy was coming against them. Who was there? Those leading worship. That's where the band was. That's where the singers were. That's where the trumpeters and the cymbal players were. They were right there, because right at the beginning, they were praising God and putting him in his rightful place. And friends, that does two things. It puts God in his rightful place, and it reminds us that he's in that place. And as well as that, it helps our perception as well, doesn't it? Helps remind us that he is God and we are not. Actually, he does know what's going on, even when sometimes we wonder. But we need to put worship right up there, right at the, uh, the very forefront. Loving God means worshipping him. It means total trust and total commitment. You see, you can trust him. You can trust God. Maybe for some of you, there have been people that have let you down over the years. Maybe you've put your trust in somebody and it didn't work out. Maybe you put your hope in a particular individual. You said, yeah, I'm going to trust you on this and they let you down. And ever since then, you thought, well, I'm not sure that I can ever trust somebody again because you've been hurt on the journey. I can understand that it's difficult. I can understand the pain in that. But God would say to you, you can trust me because he's totally trustworthy, totally committed. He won't let you down, no matter whatever the circumstance. Loving God means trusting him. Loving God means putting him first. Is the number one priority now. So in those big decisions of life, where are you going to live? What are you going to do with your life? Maybe career choices, job choices. Who are you going to spend your time with? Who are you going to marry? All these big sort of questions of life. God's right there, number one. Here's the one that you're asking, Lord, is this right? Is this what you want for me? And receiving his affirmation to go for it, or his pause of saying, just, just hold back now. He's number one in our lives. Loving God means putting him first. And loving God as well means devotion. Acts chapter 2, for those of you who are worried that I've forgotten about it. In Acts chapter 2, the end of that chapter, there's a description of what it was like to be part of the early church. We're told what it was like to be part of that, that small group of believers that suddenly uh, God thrust onto the Jerusalem scene and suddenly there were thousands of them. It's like being in a meeting like this and uh, then the week after there being just thousands of people. That's you know pretty impressive growth by anybody's estimation. But that's what it was like. They went from a small group, 100, 120 or so. God came, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They, they were thrust onto the Jerusalem scene. Peter preaches. Thousands of people respond. We're told just in the first day, 3,000 are added to their number. Suddenly, God is doing something. And yet, even in that very impressive um, looking group of believers, that growing church there, there were things that were important to them. And the end of Acts chapter 2 tells us about some of those things. It says they were devoted to some things. They were devoted to prayer, to the breaking of bread. They were devoted to one another, they were devoted to the teaching. I wonder, could you be described as being devoted? Would that describe your Christian life, being devoted? If I was to ask the the person who knows you best for one word that would summarise your Christian life, if you're a Christian, what would it be? Would it be devoted? Maybe you're not a Christian yet this morning. You're really welcome with us if that's the case. Um, And I just feel God would say to you, he wants you into that relationship with him. You know, he's inviting you in on this. It's not that you just have to look in from outside, but he's inviting you in on it. He said they were described as devoted. It wasn't just they went to church, they were devoted to one another, to, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to worship, to putting God first. Whole lifestyles were turned around, priorities were radically changed as they encountered God and did something about that encounter in their lives. There's a serious commitment of time, of energy, of money, of life, of, of being together. Very often our experience of 21st century life is so consumerist, isn't it? That's the sort of culture we live in. And we can fall into having a consumerist culture with the church, thinking, well, i just, you know, does that church serve my needs? Or is that one, you know, is that better for this thing or that thing? Or, or you know, just sort of pick and mix type thing?" sometimes. Actually, God calls us to be devoted. Maybe you're looking in on us and thinking, I wonder if Jubilee's the right place for me. Well, it's, it's absolutely right that you look in and pray and ask God, is this the right place for, for you to settle and to be at home in a body of believers? It's right that you do that. And then it's right that you make a decision and get stuck in and become devoted. Devoted to him. Devoted to God and to his people and what he's about. In Acts chapter 19, (coughs) we read what happened in Ephesus when uh, some people became Christians. And it it tells us this, it says, Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So these people responded to God's invitation to a relationship with him And it had a radical effect on their life. So much so, they got rid of anything that was associated with their their previous life. Anything that was associated uh, to their life before they were following God that would draw them away from Him. And they got rid of it. In their case, it was was scrolls and other things that were associated uh, with uh, non-Christian practices that could have drawn them away from God. They got rid of them. Burnt them so they weren't any good to them or anybody else. 50,000 drachmas was the uh, worth that was estimated of them. you know how much that is? It's about 3.5 million pounds. Quite considerable, isn't it? But they were prepared to get rid of it because it wasn't honoring to God and could have drawn them away from their relationship with him. That's radical, isn't it? That's a radical encounter with Jesus. That's devotion. You see, God isn't after duty. He's after your heart. He's not after duty. He's after your heart. So you might say to me, well, Graham, that sounds great, but how do you get to that place? How, how, how can you get in that sort of relationship with God where it doesn't feel like a hard slog, but it's devotion, it's not duty? What can you do? Well, I want to suggest two things to you that you could do that would help you really practically. The first thing is this book, because it's good. Maybe you've read it. And uh, particularly the Psalms. I mean, the psalmist is. Psalms are great, aren't they? I love the psalms. You've got almost, it seems, every experience of life in the psalms. Because you've got when things are going good, and you've got the psalmist praising God and worshipping him. And you've got it when life sucks, and it just doesn't make sense, and it doesn't add up, and you wonder if God is even interested you any, in you anymore. So the psalmist experiences all those sort of emotions, and you see how he responds even when his enemies are out to get him, and he wonders if God even exists anymore, you can see him sort of speaking to his soul, going, come on, wake up, soul. We're going to praise God. Even when it's difficult, we're going to praise God. And he sort of speaks to himself. and well, Maybe you need to speak to yourself sometimes. I know I do. You think, come on, we're going to worship God. So reading God's word is great. It really helps us. And reading the Psalms is great because you see that in the Psalms, it's not always plain sailing. Sometimes it's difficult, and you see how the psalmist responds to that. So reading the Bible, reading the psalms helps us. I'd suggest reading theology would help us as well. Reading about God. Getting hold of some good books that help you understand more about God's character, more about his love for you. I mean, there's one book here I'd recommend to you called Incomparable by Andrew Wilson. And this is a great book. If you're thinking, I'd like to get hold of a a book that's going to help me in my Christian life and help me get closer to God, get this book. Okay, I recommend it highly to you. You can get it from uh, Wesley Owen uh, in the city centre. You get it online, I'm sure, as well. And what Andrew does in some really small, bite-sized chapters, maybe that's why I like it so much, (laughs) because it's easy to dip into and dip out of. He talks about the different characteristics of God, the being of God, how God is incomparable, God is good, he is love, he's unchangeable, he's holy, he's faithful, he's true, and so on, and helps unpack some of those characteristics. He looks at the different names of God in the Bible and what that means, and uh, looks at the attributes of God as well, how he's majestic and mighty full of mercy, wisdom, greatness, justice, so on and so forth. Just real bite-sized chapters, a couple of pages, three or four pages each. Easy to dip into and dip into it and then you can pray off the back of it because you've learnt something more about the character of God. So I recommend that book highly. Maybe there are others that you use for a, a similar purpose to help you in worship and help you draw closer to him. But as well as loving God personally, loving God corporately is so important, isn't it? So when we gather, just as we did this morning, giving time and space to worshipping God is a high value for us. And Mike and John led us so well, because it isn't just about singing songs that appear on the screen, but it's giving our hearts to God. It's engaging with Him. It's giving space to the Holy Spirit. It's saying, Holy Spirit, come and help us worship Jesus now. It's giving space to gifts of the Holy Spirit. So important. It's so easy, isn't it? We think, well, we've got a limited amount of time. We're just going to press through, through a few songs, get Graham on, get the preach done, and then we can have a coffee and go home. Sometimes we can think, oh, there's just so much to get through. We've got to give space to God to break in. So important, friends. We've got to give space to the Holy Spirit. Just as we did this morning. It was great. Lots of contributions that that helped us focus on Jesus. Not just contributions for the sake of it, but they drew us to Jesus, didn't they? They drew us to worship. So helpful. We've got to make space for that. If you look at the early church, I guess there's uh, three things that you could Uh, say that would describe their worship. And we talked in some more detail detail about New Testament worship a couple of weeks ago. And if you missed that, that preaches online. You can download it. But the early church, I guess you could describe their worship as full of passion, there was participation, and there was presence. Passion, participation, and presence. And I think those three things should characterize our worship together. Passion and engagement with God's participation of people bringing things together and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We, we're out of time to look at all those things in detail. Maybe we do that on a different occasion but I think all those things should characterize our worship. Passion, participation and presence. Let's make sure we're giving space to those things as we worship God together. But the other thing that I wanted to cover this morning before we're completely out of time is loving one another. See, the other part of that verse there that we read in Luke chapter 10 was loving your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. In John chapter 13, Jesus said this. He said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So the question for us is, how are we recognized... As disciples of Jesus, as people who are following him, is it by our great meetings? Is it by our praying? Is it by our witnessing? What Jesus says, it's by our love for one another. That's what he says. By this, people will see that you're following me if you love one another. So you see, it's so countercultural. Real love, real care for one another. It speaks volumes. It did right there in the first century. It does now. See, building community is important to us. Community is a high value for us here in Jubilee. You see, community isn't just a group of people who happen to meet together at the same time, in the same place each week. That might be helpful to building community, but that in and of itself is not it. It's much more than that. Now, the Bible has lots of things to say. If you look up the phrase one another in a concordance, you'll find lots of verses, lots of references to uh, honouring one another, to being devoted to one another, to not judging one another, to greeting, serving, bearing with, being kind, forgiving, encouraging, loving one another, and so the list goes on. One another is important. And I guess loving one another would summarize that list very nicely. It's what Jesus commanded us to do. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They weren't just friends, weren't just acquaintances, didn't just happen to turn up to church same time each week. (laughs) They were devoted to one another. I guess if you're devoted to somebody, it must mean that you know them. It must mean that there is some level of relationship there. They're devoted to one another. They're devoted to one another's well-being. One of our main ways of building community is through small groups we call life groups. And uh, they meet most weeks at different homes across the city. And we're looking to build small groups of people that really love one another, can care for one another, can worship God together, look at his word together, and also, importantly, reach out together as well. So it isn't just a closed deal, but very much it's outward-looking saying, how can we serve our community? How can we love other people? How can we bring people in on this relationship with God? And if you're not in one of those small groups, if you're not in a life group yet, then uh, please chat to anybody on the welcome team and they'd love to tell you a bit more about our small groups and where the nearest one to you. Uh, maybe. As John said, they're not meeting this week as we gather together once a month for an evening of prayer and worship and ministry. But they would meet most weeks in different homes across the city. But for those of you who are in a small group, those of you who are in a life group, are you devoted to it? Are you devoted to the other people in your group? Are you loving one another? You see, the early church were committed to one another. There was a relationship of family there. They were joined together. They were on mission together. Paul tells the church in Rome that they belong to one another. And the same will be true for us. We belong to one another. Romans 12, verse 5. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Joining a church gives expression to these things. Without being part of a local church, it doesn't make any sense. Who are you joined to? Who can you serve? Who are you committed to? Where's your relationship of devotion with one another? It only makes sense in the context of the local church. Another part of being in the family is serving. And many of you are involved already in serving in the life of Jubilee. You see, like in any family, we need to take responsibility for some things. Maybe you can look back at your upbringing. Maybe, you know, you, your parents got you to do stuff as you grew up. It might have been clearing the dinner table. It might have been doing the washing up. It might have been tidying your room. That was always a, a tricky one. Uh, it might have been some other things, but you had to take responsibility, even at a young age, for those sort of things in family life. same is true in the church. We need to take responsibility for things and serve one another and serve others as they look into what God is doing here. See, loving one another is expressed in community. And it doesn't just happen. You have to build it. So even saying things like, Mike and Julia are hosting a newcomer's lunch today for students and for newcomers. It's great. It helps build community. One of the best ways, I think, of building community is with food. And look at what Jesus did. He ate with his disciples, seems, all the time. And when there wasn't enough to go around, he made sure there were some more. Food is a great icebreaker, isn't it? You think about it, what what do you do with your friends? If you're going to spend an evening with them, maybe go out somewhere, what do you do? Probably you'll eat, or often you'll eat. Food is a great way of building community. And uh, that's why we we do that in life groups. We do that with students, with newcomers. We'll eat with anybody. (laughs) Because actually over food, you can just chat and get to know one another build relationships, and it helps us in building community. So building a culture of hospitality right across the church is important to us as well. It's part of loving one another, part of caring for another. Part of loving one another is knowing each other's needs and seeking to meet them. The book of Acts tells us that there were no needy persons among that group of early disciples, the early church there, It's a remarkable statement, isn't it? There were no needy persons amongst them. It tells us that they must have known one another enough to care for them. And it also tells us that once they knew that there was a need, they loved each other enough to do something about meeting that need. That's a challenge to us, isn't it? And it should be. And it helps to provoke us to build the sort of church we want to do, where loving one another is important to us just as loving God is primary. So as we wrap up, perhaps the band could come up as I close, please. Are these values of loving God and loving one another important to you? you see, they're not just nice, niceties to have on a page. They shouldn't just be something that we stick in a brochure or on a screen and say, that's what we're about. But rather, we should embody them. And so by saying these are things that are important to us, the challenge for each of us, every one of us here this morning, is this, are we living them out? Are we living them out individually and corporately? Are we loving God? Are we loving one another? So I want to ask you, what are you doing, firstly, to encourage yourself to love God and to love one another? What are you doing to encourage yourself, encourage you to love God and to love one another? What is it that you're doing to help that process? And my second question to you is this. What are you doing to encourage others to love God and to love one another? Maybe those in your life group. Maybe those that you're friends with. What are you doing to encourage them to love God and to love one another? Let's stand and we're going to worship God as we close. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking to us about the ways you want us to build Jubilee. Thank you, Lord, that you are building your church Thank you that you're using us in the process. Lord, we want to give you something great to work with. We give you ourselves afresh this morning. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us with these things. Help us to love you, to be in love with you. Help us to love one another. Help us to build community. Lord Jesus, help this to be a place where there are no needy persons amongst us. Help us, Lord, to build those relationships where... We know one another that well, and then we seek to act upon the needs that we find. Lord, that you might be glorified. You might be exalted. That many may look in and say, wow, I really love one another here. Lord, would that be said about Jubilee, that we love one another? And Lord, would it be said too that we love you? And we do, because you are our God. You are our King. It's you that we're following. You're the one building your church Lord, help us to stay on mission. Help us to stay true to what you've spoken to us about. Lord God, that you might be glorified and exalted, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, amen. There are a couple of um, words that we had during the worship time earlier that I just want to come back to as we close. We've got a few minutes before we finish. And uh, one of them was about anxiety. And uh, as I was standing, I was thinking, yeah, that's, that sounds like an accurate word there. You know, one of the ways that we can counter anxiety is loving God. is putting Him in the place where He should be. Because that honors Him, and it also helps us get a right perspective on things. So if maybe that was you, then even as we worship, as Michael and the band lead us in a moment, I'd encourage you, give that situation to God. Ask him to take his rightful place. Another word about not losing heart. Another one about Jesus calming the storm. If that applies to any of you, then as we worship now, I want to encourage you. Maybe you come to the front and we'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray God's blessing upon you, that you would know his peace in a situation that maybe needs to be calmed. You'd know encouragement in your heart and you'd know God deal with anxiety. So I believe God can do that this morning. Maybe there's some of you here that need God to do that this morning. Well, as we worship, as Mike leads us, you come to the front, and we would love to pray with you. There'll be others from the church that will gather around you, pray with you, pray for you, ask the Holy Spirit to come, and God to minister to you. So as we sing there, you come really quickly, and we'd love to pray with you.